And uh, you understand that the Lord don't want us to be like a stick in the mud. <laughs> Feeling like a fox that spent the night upside down in a stovepipe baptizing in pickle juice. Uh, <laughs> I believe he wants us to enjoy this journey. I really do. I believe that the Lord wants us to enjoy the journey. Um, I want to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want to, I want to read a lot of verses I mean, it, I, won't, I probably won't comment on all of them or, or uh, elaborate on all of them, but there's some key verses here that I believe significant to encourage you. And uh, Paul, is, he starts the letter by saying, do we, uh, do we need to commend ourselves? Or, or we need, as some others, letters of recommendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Paul said there's some insecure and false ministers out there that, that are bringing forged letters to confirm their ministry. He said, I don't need a letter. Look what he says. I'm going to read it first from the King James, and I'm going to probably read it from the Passion. I'll tell you what, let's read it from the Message. Okay, he says, does it sound like we're patting ourselves on the back, insisting on our credentials, inserting our authority? Well, we're not. Neither do we need letters of endorsement, either to you or from you. You yourselves are all the endorsement we need. Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives, and we publish it. Now, let me read it from the, from the, go back to the King James. It says, epistle, which means letter. You're written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you're manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. And such trust we through Christ, such trust we ha have we through Christ to Godward. It says not that we're sufficient of ourselves. Our adequacy does not come from our own strength or knowledge. He said, but our sufficiency is of God. Who also made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. The letter, he's talking about the law. For the letter kills. The letter brings the knowledge of sin and the consciousness of sin. That's being preached in a lot of places. He says, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministration of death were written and engraved in stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away with. That's in Exodus 34. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit, ministry of the Spirit, be more, rather glorious? I, th I think it's also important to know that Paul mentions glory 14 times in this one chapter. He says, for even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excels. 
Now he's doing, about to do a contrast. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remains is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. I'm not here to say any, give you anything clever. Uh, uh, I don't want to... You'll find that I'm not quite so eloquent at times. But it's okay because God uses... Uh, and, and I pray the Holy Spirit would speak. Because when He speaks, lives are changed. He says, but their minds were blinded. He said... He said they couldn't steadfastly look to the end of that which was abolished. They couldn't look at Moses' face, the glory. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remains the same veil un, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Now, I want to read to you what the, the Passion says. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns to the Lord, that word really means to return where you started out, where you're supposed to be. That's what salvation and repent actually is taken. It was put in the Bible in the 1200s, which means to do penance over and over and over. Metanoia is a better word because metanoia means a radical change in the way you think. Because when you... When you have a radical way in the change, way you think, there'll be a radical change in your, in your journey. Amen. Amen. It'll show up. He says, he said, but the moment you turn to the Lord and with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. Notice he calls, wherever the Holy Spirit is Lord. How many know he's God? Wherever the Holy Spirit is Lord. There is freedom. John 8, 32, Jesus said, You'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Verse 36, Whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. Galatians chapter number uh, 2, I believe, or 3, I don't know everything, some things, uh, says stand fast. God has made you free. Little technical difficulty here. Timothy's a champion. Thank you, man. I, I hear me now. Right? <laughs> I'm going to get me two dogs. I'm going to name them Rolex and Timex. Because they're going to be my watchdogs. Okay, let's get centered up. Help me. Boy, I feel feel good. I'm telling you. I feel the Lord. I feel the drawing. It's important, man. It's important for us to be family and to enjoy one another and enjoy this day together. He said, we're being transfigured, transformed, metamorpho. 
into the very image, his image. As we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes for the, from the Lord who is the Spirit. As we behold ourselves in the mirror, we see the reflection of the ones whose glory transforms us. I want to give you a few statistics and talk about this. If, if I were to title today, it would just be simply about living letters. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, there it is. Living letters. When you read this passage of scripture, you may or may not know that it was a big deal back in ancient times in the days of Paul to write a letter. Sending it. It was a big deal. As a matter of fact, the length of the New Testament is, is startling. When you understand this about the cost and the task that had to be undertaken. Back then, letters were an average of 87 words long. And a prolific writer of ancient days could write 295 words. Paul's shortest letter was to Philemon. It was 335 words. Imagine Romans, the book of Romans. 7,111 words. It's 82 times longer than Philemon. Or the average words, 87 words in a letter. The idea is this. Today, it's a trivial thing to send a letter. The cost of postage, the stationery, the ink. We don't even think about that. Pretty trivial. The cost of it might be important what we're mailing. But back in the day, the papers that were written on were extremely expensive. As a matter of fact, you needed a scribe or if you were educated enough, you could write your own letter. But writing Romans would have been today, by today's financial standard, the cost to keep one copy for yourself and to send one to the church at Rome, $2,300 is by today's standards what it would have cost Paul. To write those letters. The New Testament visualized this. Every letter was signed by the author by, because it meant this is what I mean meant to say. Every letter was signed by the author. And 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says, we are letters. We know the We've heard it called the Holy Bible, right? Bible means book. It comes from Bibliotheca, holy book. We're the body of Christ. But did you know that we're like a book? And when you think about what Paul's saying, the Holy Spirit is the author. Knowing this, it's essential to growing together. Knowing that we're letters... The Holy Spirit is in you and in me crying, Abba, Father. What does that mean? That means Daddy God. That's a really term of endearment. It's a very personal, passionate 
the Holy Spirit in me crying, Daddy, Papa. It's not a Greek word. It was borrowed by the Greeks from the Aramaic, which is what Jesus spoke. We can live a false writing. We can carry the letters that we were never meant to carry. Now hang with me. Because we've had prophets, not the kind that we think of, and people who've spoken into our lives. And sometimes we believe and we read that over and over, what people have said to us. Now this is important for you to hear this. We begin to read how we see ourselves by what other people have said into our life. And sometimes it, it can be condemnation, it can be shame, it can, it can be set, and, and even make us think this is the way it's always going to be. We highlight it, we bookmark it, and we remember it, we read it, and we believe it's so. But I'm here to tell you that some of those things, we need to have a book burning. <laughs> Come on. They're not written by the Holy Spirit. And you, whoo, I just felt a shift. And we think it's always going to be that way. But believing rather that what Jesus accomplished, hang with me. Do you know that I read you? I get to read you. I, I get to read you as a letter. That's what Paul said. He said, you are written letters. Not written in stone, which had the ministration of death. And the people couldn't look on the face of Moses because he came out of the mountain with his face shining. And he wore a veil because the, uh, the, for two reasons. Because the people didn't want to look at him. And the other reason, because that glory was fading away. It's the glory that was in the Old Testament. It was the glory that was about to change. And shift from the judgment and the condemnation and the shame that we carried from the days of Adam and Eve. Remember when Eve is standing at the tree and the serpent comes. And he's in the, I believe he's in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I believe he's in that tree. He's somewhere close by and he says to her, don't you like this? We're not supposed to eat that. God says in the day we eat that, we'll die. And the, the very first thing the devil does, did God really say that? Did he mean what he said? You're not going to die. He's holding out on you. He's holding. He knows in the day that you eat that, you're going to become like God. Liar, liar, pants on fire. They already were. And here's what the enemy longs to do. He longs... To get us to believe the lie and eat from the I am not tree. That's what they did. They ate of the I am not tree. And immediately their eyes were open and they knew the shame. And, and they sewed fig leaves together. That's man's religion. That's man trying to fix his own brokenness. They're hiding. 
And in the cool of the day, as he always did, do you think when God asked the question, Adam, where are you? He didn't know where he was. He's God. I know he knew where he was because he, he wanted Adam to have a perspective of where he was. And he shows up for the walk, just like he always did. But Adam and Eve are now covered in fig leaves. Because they're hiding. They don't know that now they believe something about God that's not true because they believe something about themselves that's not true. It's the wrong message. It's the lie, the letter that we become when we allow the enemy to speak into our lives to make us believe something about ourselves that's not so. But the Holy Spirit comes to give us revelation, to give us truth. Now, I want you to think about this. When Paul writes this letter, he tells the Corinthian church, he said, you are our letters written not in stone because the the letters written in stone meant death because nobody could keep the law. Why? Because of the weakness of, of, of our humanity, our flesh. Nobody could keep the law. Over 600 laws. Think about that. Jesus even told the religious crowd, he said, if you try to keep one of them and make yourself good enough, you got to keep all of them. But here's a law that I'm going to give you that all the law and the prophets hang on. It's the only one. Love one another as I have loved you. Wow, man. So think about this. When I see you, I see a letter. You know, there's a, there's a plethora of genres when I read the letters That, you know, some of those letters are romantic. Some of them are comedy, right? Some of them are are adventure. I see it. You know, people, I've always said that I was a risk taker. Four kinds of people in the world. There's the taker. That's a very empty place to live because it's a selfish uh, desire that, that wants to satisfy ourselves. And that's no place to live. That kind of taker won't never go the distance. Then there's the caretaker. That's the worrier, the person who's always manipulated by circumstances. Do you know that people even identify themselves by what happens to them? They think that identifies them. And even other people's opinions, they become a caretaker. And let me tell you, that'll never take you the distance either. Because Paul said it like this. He said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the, the God of peace shall keep your heart and mind. The two most vulnerable parts of our humanity is our heart and our mind. It's important what you allow to be up here. Come on, preach it. And it's important what, who you surround yourself with. Come on, somebody. I want to be around somebody that knows who they are because they know who he is. And when, when you know who he is, all of a sudden you discover who you are. Remember Moses? He's at the burning bush and God says, I want you to go. I've, I've seen the affliction of my people. I've heard their cry and I'm come down. Come on, there's the character of God. He knows where you are. Don't you ever think that because you're going through a a tough time that God has left the building. He's right there with you. He told Moses, he said, go tell him. I said, let my people go. And Moses, first question, 
Who am I that I should go? Then he began to give all the excuses. God never answers that question directly, but he does answer it. Because Moses says, who will I tell the people sent me? And God said, tell them I am. Everything they've been looking for. I am their peace. I am their joy. I am uh, their strength. I am the God who is omniscient. I know everything. I'm the God who's omnipotent. I have all power. I'm the God who is omnipresent. I'm everywhere present and I'm with you. I am. Tell him I am. And Moses never asked that question again. Notice he never asked that question again. You know why? Because he discovered who the father was. Look at your neighbor and tell him somebody's reading you. You know what? When I came up here Saturday, I I began to read the letters back there in that room. I saw them with love. As a matter of fact, I want everybody who was here. I'm, I'm, I just think you, you need to stand up. If you were here Saturday, Friday, I'm sorry, Friday. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like a chicken. I wake up in a new world every morning. So, <laughs> If you were here, I want you to stand up. If you were here packing shoeboxes, stand up. It's okay, honey. I know you were here, yeah. I want you to know something. The Holy Spirit has written on your lives a letter to those children. Those children are going to, because of those boxes, are going to read the letter the Holy Spirit has written to them. You're not forgotten. You were loved. That's the letter you are. You're the expression of the Father's heart to children who may never have experienced the blessing. Come on, let's give God praise for these women. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated. I want you to understand that your life is a letter, a very costly letter. I want to tell you that when people read you, they see more than what's on the surface. That's the Holy Spirit's intent because Paul writes, he said, you weren't written. This letter wasn't written on stone. It was written on, the, on your heart. The author, the Holy Spirit, representing Jesus so that we get, con- here's what I know. My dad wasn't a perfect man. I never heard him say, I love you. But I didn't, you know, I was old enough to know that I knew he did. There were times I longed for him to say, that was pretty good, son. But he was in a different culture. And so I would always strive for my dad's approval until I discovered something. My dad was probably carrying some of the same brokenness and, and, and was carrying some of the same letter that had been written on his life because of his upbringing. Come on, I'm, I'm going to help you. But I found out there's a father. I love my dad. He was my hero. He wasn't perfect. He was a sight. 
<laughs> I mean, when you come off the stage and their sole comes off your shoe and you take it off in front of everybody and stick chewing gum on it just, and say, I almost lost my soul. And... <laughs> I'm telling you, I've experienced some pretty good, you know, you heard me tell about him sewing a seat cover and the guy was going to be smart with him and said, I bet you could make a dress. Dad looked up at him and said, what size you wear? <laughs> he just walked off. He was like, oh boy, uh, you just didn't mess with dad. He was... He was a side, he loved people, he, he'd help people, but, but you understand he had limitations. I didn't look for my, there came a time when I realized I couldn't look for my, my identity. Even though I was biologically his son, I couldn't let that define who I was. Because I wanted God to be able to say who I was. And guess what? Here's the letter I see on you. I see beloved. I see the word beloved on you because the Bible said we are accepted in the beloved. I see the word fascinating. Come on, somebody. You won't hear this in many religious circles because they're, they're preaching from the letters of stone and you understand the letters of life say that you are amazing to the Father. Let me just give you this real quickly. When you find yourself wrapped in his love and you begin to let the Holy Spirit write in you the Father's heart and you become who he created you to be. We're all different, right? So you, you live life to the full. You live life and you don't allow the selfishness of taking or the worry of caretaking. Let me finish that for you. The undertaker. The undertaker will hold you back in the past. He'll try to dig up what should be buried. Well, Paul said, I count not myself to have apprehended, but I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. I'm reaching forward to those things that are before because I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's why he said you can be anxious for nothing. You don't have to be anxious. So I see the letter written on you. I'm, a, I'm fascinated with you, the Father says. Because we're all created unique. And we can't live according to circumstances and the opinions of the world and the, and the most popular fads. There are people on social media who are trying to find their, that, that's, there's really, you know, it's a good tool, but, but people are trying to promote an identity. Mostly you don't hear all of the stuff, right? <laughs> but the father knows it all. And he still loves you intently. Now, if you're a letter written by the Holy Spirit, that means that in that letter, you've got to know that you're adopted as sons and daughters. Not like a legal adoption where you have to have paperwork. 
It's you have his DNA. You have his DNA. We are treasured by the Trinity. Do you understand the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one? And we're treasured by them. They, they bring us into this perichoresis, this circle dance of the Father, Son, and Spirit. This love. Before the foundation of the world, God already had a, a solution to our problem. To bring us to wholeness. So we're invited into the joy. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to write in your heart who the Father says you are. How the Father sees you as his masterpiece. What he's written on your life, the letter to others, is I love you. Oh my goodness. So I, want you, I remember one of the last times I saw my dad. I was... I'd go see him every day for eight years after mom passed away. And, and, and I remember standing in the living room once and he stood up and just before I left, he put his hand on my shoulder. And I knew what was in his heart. Even though he didn't say a word, I knew what my dad was, was doing. He looked at me and he smiled. And I'll never forget that look. And I'll never forget that moment because even with all the limitations, even with all of the dysfunction, come on, we all deal with dysfunction, right? Um, the Lord Jesus comes to make us whole, to let us know who we are and whose we are. Your letter, your letter, what are people reading in your life? What do people read when they see you? I remember one time standing in the line at Walmart. Oh, yeah, Walmart. I'll say it. And, you know, I'm standing there and I'm next in line, but this woman in front has, she's got the, the conveyor belt full and she's got a notebook. She's standing with the teller and she's got coupons. I don't know how many pages. <laughs> but I remember after standing there for like 20 minutes, the Holy Spirit said, what are you going to do now? <laughs> and I knew what he was saying. He said, you can be like the world and fit in. Or you can be like the Father and stand out. I got up to the, to the checkout after about 40 minutes. I mean, they, she went through all of the coupons and the, the, the clerk, bless her heart, had to call the manager over to go through them to make sure they were legitimate. And I'm standing there and when I got to the clerk, she said, I am so sorry you had to wait that long. I said, it's okay. I said, she wasn't expecting this. I said, it's okay because everybody's got to be somewhere. I just happened to be in the line at Walmart today. <laughs> Come on, you understand that the fathers, people will read what's written on your life by the response they see sometimes. 
And you become that last one. I didn't, the risk taker. Man, I've took some risk and didn't go so well. <laughs> but I loved it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I still, I survived. But to be a risk taker, it's what the father was. He sent his son. He said, you are worth the risk. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to the called according to his purpose. So I want to encourage you. Let the Holy Spirit write the words of affection on your life. That you're deeply loved and you're deeply cherished. That what happens to you, what people say, the things that you experience do not define who you are. How you navigate through those things. I've counseled with, with guys who are, they're, they've been addicted to stimulants for 23 years. And I sit in front of them and, and, you know, one thing they'll know that they're not being judged. And they're, I'm not there to tell them how bad they did. I'm there to tell them what you do does not define who you are. Come on, watch this. But your perception of who you are will define what you do. I tell people, I say, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You just need to know one. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? I met one a few years ago. <laughs> and uh, his name was Nathan. I'll never forget it. <laughs> it's like the Holy Spirit... Watch this. He just planned it. He'll plan things for your life that's so much of an adventure. It's not boring. Let me tell you, you're not boring to him either. He is fascinated with you. Stand with me. Matthew 13, there's seven parables you've heard me talk about. I just want to remind you. Seven parables. I always thought what I, what I read that to be sometimes was that I was the, the merchant in, in one of the parables that found the treasure who was Jesus. And I discovered I had that backwards because Jesus wasn't lost. I was. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who comes and finds a treasure in a field. And for joy, he hides it, puts it in a place of protection and covering. And he goes and sells everything he has to buy the whole field. Now, I know what the field is because verse 38 says the field is the world. What I want with the world. For God so loved the world. And he comes back. He buys the whole field. And leaves the treasure. For what? So the other treasures can read. The letter on that treasure. That he's fascinated with you. And he paid the ultimate price for you.
Now, I want to pray for you. And uh, I'm so grateful. I'm going to let them sing. I'm going to pray for God to bring wholeness and healing. That if there's a part that that someone said to you that's not according to the will of the Father, that you'll let it go and let the Holy Spirit rewrite on your heart what He thinks about you. I'm telling you, this is going to be an adventure. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, Father, we love you. We give you praise. Lord, your word is amazing. Thank you that you, through Paul through the expense and and the costly writing of the New Testament, Lord. Not not just on parchment, not just the cost of the words and the parchment and the ink, Lord, but the cost of blood. We thank you, Lord, that we are deeply loved and we're cherished, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we can't do anything to change that love toward us. But Lord, we refuse to live in a brokenness. We we refuse to live with lack. But we move into the fullness of all you created us to be. And now, Lord, fill us with yourself and help us to be transformed into the image so that the glory of heaven will be revealed in the earth through our lives. We give you praise. Lord, let let us... Lay aside and cancel every lie that we've believed up till now. Lord, let us, let us just cancel that. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to know the truth, that the truth makes us free. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. If you need special prayer, I want to open this altar for you right now. They're going to sing, sing. And, and you have the opportunity to come. I won't hold you long, but I, I want to give you the opportunity.